The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's Anthony Cazenza. Happy Friday to you all. For those of you joining us live, happy Friday, Friday afternoon. Maybe it's uh, getting close to quitting time for some of you. Maybe it's happy hour. Maybe it's lunch, depending on where you are listening to us. However you are listening to us, thanks for checking us out and joining us on a Bengals bye week. Even though it's a bye week, we talked about this on the episode, John. Um, it's, It's a... It's been a busy week in terms of fan interaction, news, Bengals, do's and don'ts. I don't know. It's It's been kind of a busy, busy week. Uh, how are you doing, John? You know what? Whatever time it is, it is November 1st, which means one thing and one thing only. It's Christmas time. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, hopefully you enjoyed your Halloween and uh, didn't get candy corn or apples or no, anything we're, we're, while you're trick or treating. We're not, we're not starting the candy corn slander here, Tony Stark. <laughs> how, how was last night? It was good, man. It was good. Thanks. Awesome. Uh, we took the little guy. I mean, he's, he's still too young. We kind of walked him around to a few houses, but it was good. It was good. It was fun. Appreciate you asking. Um, I'm not a big costume guy. I've never really been that That was way. a decent Tony Stark, though. I, was, I was it? Yeah, yeah, the shirt and the glasses. I guess the glasses were like more of a recent thing with him, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. topical. Yeah. Thanks. I, you know, you spend 20, 30 bucks and then that's, that's what you get out of it. I guess some people go balls to the wall with it. I don't, but um, you know, kind of dressed up with, with my kid and all that good stuff, but hopefully everybody had a fun and safe Halloween aside from uh, ourselves here. We've got a lot for those who, who are new to this program. We used to on our weekly show, we used to kind of try and take listener questions, particularly at the end of a show, whether it's calls or whatever. Um, we just basically got, it's, it's a good problem to have. We had so many, we just couldn't fit them into a normal show. So we have this kind of weekend kickoff session for you all to get in touch with us. We're going to answer as many questions as we can. Some of them are very in depth. Some of them are a bit quicker, so we'll get to as many as we can. We've already got a bunch, but in case you haven't gotten yours in yet, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at BanglesOBI. You can email us, theobinsider at gmail.com. There is a comment thread on cincyjungle.com with a 
uh, and a little mini article there so you can submit your stuff there. If you're joining us in, if, either via Facebook or YouTube, you can uh, submit yours in the, the chat portions there. We'll be trolling the, the comments for, for things to bring up there. Or you can call and text us 949-542-6241. Whew, that's a mouthful. Uh, I could add to it and say, if in case you are unable to join us live, you can get the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, YouTube, and CincyJungle.com. Enough of that. Let's get to it, John. You really you started. You lead us off. Pick pick one that we've that we've got here, and uh, you lead us off. Okay, uh, I'll start with the Cincy Jungle comment thread from longtime uh, poster PW. What, what did you say was his full name? I thought it was Pale Wook. I could be I could be wrong about that, but uh... PW for me rolls off the tongue a little bit. So I'm yeah. going to refer to PW. 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 Yeah, he asked if you had the power to replace one person in the Bengals front office, who would it be and why? He gives us four options: Duke Tobin. Troy Blackburn, Mike Brown, Katie Blackburn. That's that's a tough one, man. I'll let you go that first. Is a, that is a fantastic question. Wow. Uh, part of me would say Mike Brown because he is, you know, the owner and he's, you know, I think that he's ta- – uh, even with some of the very familiar Bengals-like issues that are hitting the team this year, I still think he has – stepped back a little bit from where he's at. Um, I don't mean to pick out the woman, the only woman here, but I would say Katie Blackburn because Katie Blackburn is a Brown and would most likely operate. We don't know what we're getting from Katie Blackburn because she is probably next in line to take over this team when Mike Brown either decides to hang it up or, you know, I hope I don't mm-hmm. wish this on him passes away. She is probably next in line to take over the team. I don't know if she's going to say, Hey, dad's out of the picture. I'm doing things different. Or if she's going to be a carbon copy of her father, I kind of think she's going to trend closer to her father. And in yeah. that respect, I kind of would say, get, get her and her husband maybe out of the picture. Um, I think that's more of a long-term solution. Shorter-term, Duke Tobin is would be my answer. So I guess I'm copping out as I usually do. I'll go long. <laughs> long-term, get rid of would be Katie, and short-term would be a short-term fix would be Duke. I'm not even sure it's fair to put Duke with these with these guys. It's it's like one tier is like an entire family who actually you know pull the strings, and Tobin and more or less is a puppet. I know a lot of people like to call him the de facto GM, but he doesn't have as nearly as much power as as Katie and Troy and even Mike for that matter. The obvious answer is probably Mike if you just look at the last 29 years, and you would think if you get Mike out of there, maybe Katie and Troy follow follow suit, and there's a new owner in there. But at the same time. People look at the Whitworth situation as, as the turning point when everything kind of went sour. That Whitworth negotiation was done by both Katie and Troy. Mike had nothing to do with it. And that was reported by Catrell, who used to report for the Bengals for ESPN. So, yeah, l- like you, I would more maybe more lean uh, towards the Blackburns, maybe sp- specifically Katie, because she is the daughter of Mike. But also, if you get rid of Mike, maybe that's also getting rid of both the Blackburns. So, I think... And, and, and honestly, like, like before the season, I would have said Mike, and then Troy came out with that dumbass statement about you know walmart tackles so he's he's r- climbing up my rankings in terms of hate list for, for that comment as well <laughs> but uh, honestly you can pick out either, either of the three who aren't the 
warrant Duke Tobin in this case, and it would be not a wrong answer, I guess. Yeah, that is, regardless of your answer on that, that's a really, really solid question and a good one to start off with. Uh, you got. You may need to get that, John. You've got some emergency, buddy. Um, let's go with this one. Uh, there's a couple that can l- be lumped into this one. It is either the 90. It's from the 901 area code. There is a text that we also uh, received a an email, kind of similarly from I believe it, the person said their name was Caudell. Uh, basically talking about ownership, kind of a big picture ownership I- issue. The Bengals average about seven wins in their history. What's it going to take to actually change? And this is about, four, you know, I think they said 49 years. I think the Bengals are now 52 years in their history. But regardless, they are averaging about seven wins a year. That is not even really average. I mean, I guess if you if you consider what the schedule used to be in the eight, 70s, 80s, uh, I guess seven is kind of average. But that is right down the middle, more or less, and it shows that this team may be content with mediocrity. Your thoughts, John? I think they're content with doing things their way, and I think you have to separate the t- the two parts of history between pre-Mike Brown and post-Mike Brown, because if you do post-Mike Brown, I don't think the average is close to seven. It's probably more closer to five or six. So when looking at that, yeah, the Paul Brown history kind of, you know, um, jumps the overall average because even in the 70s before they went to Bowls, they were pretty competitive towards the later part of that decade when Paul was still very much in control and obviously the 80s had a lot of success as well the 90s definitely brought things down and what, what's going to take the change either they change their organizational philosophies for the better or they just happen to get lucky over a, a great period of time like you, you take that 2015 season and somehow make it sustainable by some you know unlikely set of circumstances yeah then you, you can have some some sense of a, a change for the better but they would just have to change how they operate and if they don't they're just going to have to hope to get lucky and hope it's sustainable but unfortunately as we've seen it's not very sustainable unless you have franchise altering talent at the most important positions yeah, so thanks for the the text and the email from both of those folks there. Um, I I would say that what what uh, ultimately I, I I look at this and I've been I've been talking about a a looking at things from a business standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. And um, when you look at this from a business standpoint, I understand the Bengals may not have you know the most money to play with in terms of free agency. I I understand if they do not have the, you know, the, the biggest market, all that kind of stuff. I understand all of that. But my thing is I don't understand as business owners, how that, that number is acceptable. I don't understand how you can, you can be complacent with, I, I, I don't know, not wanting to be a preeminent, business or a preeminent franchise, even with, you know, you, you got, if you got to be creative with the money, I, I just think that it's not, it's not a, a, a great way to run your business. Now, granted, I guess they're going to get their money regardless. So because of the revenue sharing and, and all of that, that occurs in the league. But my thing is, is if you own a business and your family's name is put on that business, your family's name is on the stadium, put forth a good product, put forth the best product that you can. And Maybe the Bengals feel that this is the best product that they can field. I completely disagree. I think 0-8 is completely unacceptable. But, um, you know, to me, I don't know why you would not want to do everything in your power to be a flagship business within, you know, the NFL sphere. We've got a – 
we've got a call coming in here, John. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab this. Hey, it's the Orange and Black Insider. Who's this? This is John from Kentucky. Hey, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Anthony, it's good to talk to you again. You too. And, uh, yeah. Okay. I just uh, wanted to say uh, quickly. I think uh, the team, and especially the front office, needs to do all they can do to encourage and motivate that quarterback. Because surely that quarterback's heard, oh, no, you're going to the Bengals, and they haven't won a primetime game to speak of in 30 years. Well, he doesn't need to hear that. You know, he's going to need to hear, look, you know, we went to five straight playoffs. We came within a hair of beating Pittsburgh. We, unfortunately, we turned the ball over at the wrong time, but we want to win, and we're going to win. You know, that's what they're going to have to hear. And uh, so, so I guess people, I think, need to be need to be a little bit more optimistic about the team. I mean, 0-8 is not a good thing. Of course not. We don't want to be 0-8. But I don't think we're quite as terrible as some people make us out to be. I mean, and, and by the way, we are in a hard division. So what's your take on that? Well, thanks for the thanks for the call, John. Well, we've got some other people to get to, so we're going to get you uh, answer you off the air. But good to hear from you, buddy. Okay, buddy. Um, good good question. I think there is a sentiment that I understand there. Um, this this team, though, John, makes it whether it's the ownership group, whether it's the lack of success their unwillingness to get in front of the camera and, you know, kind of speak and engage the fans, whatever the case may be, the lack of a ring of honor, we can go on and on. This team makes it hard to be positive about them. This team makes it very difficult to be a fan of their, of, of their team, to be quite honest. Um, I agree with John though, not only just kind of the positive attitude, if you are going to bring a top quarterback prospect into the fold, you also need to set that quarterback up for success. Give him some pieces. Make sure the offensive line is there. Make sure he's a guy who fits your system. That way you avoid another David Klingler, Akili Smith, on and on and on. This team can't afford that already looking at four straight losing seasons. So I understand where John's coming from with that. The one thing odd before I kick it to you, John, he said this is a tough division. Traditionally, yes, this is a tough division. Unfortunately, the Bengals decided to be very, very bad in a very advantageous year. They could have take, they could have mowed through this division this year. I don't think anybody's that good in this division this year. Uh, Ravens are okay. Pittsburgh's a mess. Cleveland's a mess. This was the year that they could have taken advantage if everything fell into place. Zach Taylor brought them immediate results, that sort of thing. But that's kind of my overarching thought to John's uh, John's comments there. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, like, how do you set up the quarterbacks to success in Cincinnati? You just have to draft well, and th- and that that's that's where I disagree with John here. They're, they're worse than I think we're taking them for because you look at Miami or even Washington for that matter, and how how awful they are. But they they at least have organizations that are willing to spend you know capital and free agency to help build around a quarterback who presumably would be cheap on a rookie contract. Like Miami at least has a plan with unloading all these assets for draft capital to build around the next quarterback the Bengals have seven picks next year's draft and they are going to use the draft as the as the primary tool to rebuild this roster and it's just not going to be enough unless they hit on every single pick like they did in the years leading up to Dalton's 2015 season so their model is 
basically based off of luck in the draft and not spending a lot in free agency. So it's honestly almost worse. It, it, it makes the perception of what they are worse because it's hard for them to get better unless they just strike strike a, a match on a bunch of draft picks because they're not going to spend a lot in free agency. They're not going to upgrade the upgrade the roster through free agency, which is what other teams with young quarterbacks would do. So honestly, like they're 0-8 and, and there's no way you can sell that they aren't as bad as they are because they are 0-8 and, and they are bad even with the injuries. But it, it just is the lack of of promise of how they can get better in the short term that really make, makes me pessimistic. Agreed. And we've got another call on the line here, John. Uh, we're hearing from we're hearing from the regulars today. I believe we've got Terrell on the line. Terrell, how are you? Hey guys, doing? Good man. It's Friday, you know. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> Beautiful day in Cincinnati. That really is. But uh, I know everybody trying to see who who put in the screens and. All the stuff with dogs, but set aside from that, uh, I was already thinking that I'm giving it back three years because uh, what Shanahan did for the 49ers for three years was was pretty amazing. I, I know he had a lot of draft capital and free agency and um, and um, and um, dang, uh, the guy from New England, I'm coming to be his quarterback and all that, but it all came in the fold in the third year. I know he's one of the best playmakers, too, to add to it, too. But I'm giving him three years to try to do what he got to do. And if not, I'm on uh, Scott Vescoat or uh, the guy from uh, Penn State to be the head coach. And also, I just hope that uh, they just get playmakers and some guys that can tackle. And I just leave you guys back. All right. Thanks, Terrell. Um, John, uh I don't think Terrell meant Scott Van Pelt, the head coach of Penn State. Is that what he said? No, I th- Wait, he said he said Penn State. I'm the, co- the coach is John Franklin. That's it. Yeah, or, yeah, or, 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 yeah. Something, yeah, something like that. Um, at, at any rate, uh, I, I do, I do like what Terrell said about hey, you got to give this coach a couple of years at least to build his roster, maybe get his quarterback, especially since he just benched a guy. Um, you know, I understand that sentiment, and usually you have that same kind of rule of thumb with quarterbacks as well. I mean, the, the thing is, and, and what worries me is there's just not showing signs of improvement. Um, I guess you could argue there's some signs of life because a lot of these losses have been close. But, um, I mean, you you would hope that improvement would be seen in, in year one, and we're not really seeing that. I understand. We said this the other day. I understand he's had, meaning Zach Taylor has had a lot to deal with, especially for a rookie head coach, a first time ever head coach. But I mean, he's got to start showing some something. And I think that that's where this decision came into play with Andy. It's it's honestly interesting because I I wonder how long Marvin would have stayed here had he not had success after his first year right 2004 and then 2005 in his second and third year he really had a jump and instilled a lot of confidence in the front office and if zach taylor doesn't have that if he if he let's just say he goes like three and 13 this year and then like four and 12 and five and 11 the second year and then midway through his third year he's still struggling is is not above 500 i wonder if you know this this whole perception about the Bengals, you know taking too long to move on and you know trusting the process too much I wonder if that all goes away if there's not instant success like we saw with Marvin Lewis. So I think three years is a safe bet with Taylor just because we're giving him the benefit of the doubt. We're giving the organization the benefit of the doubt with how they handled the last head coach. But honestly, if that success like you talk about doesn't come, I wonder if three years might be the max for Taylor. Yeah, and 
you definitely, if you're not seeing much improvement in year one, you definitely want to see some improvement in year two, especially when his guys are taking shape and, you know, the roster is kind of in his image, if you will. Let's uh, move on. And I want to, I want to make sure I get some stuff that you're seeing too, John. Um, Let's, you, you, you pick one, you pick one. I picked the last couple because of the phone calls. All right, so there was a question in the YouTube comments by Dave Lennox, a regular here. He said, assuming they draft a quarterback in the first round, what is the position that you are interested in targeting in round two? And let's just say round two and three. Let's go for both day two picks. So, for, <laughs> all right. Uh, for me, I, I think at that point, this roster is so bad that it doesn't really matter what positions that you're interested in. I think it just has to be good players. It like, obviously offensive line would be a position that you would, that you would be interested in and that you would heavily scout in the early portions of the draft. But if the best offensive lineman isn't better than the best linebacker, maybe you go with linebacker in hell. Like th- this team could use town all over the place. Wide receiver, um, you know, may- maybe a pa- a, definitely a pass rusher, maybe even a guy that's secondary because guys are struggling or injured. So you, you, don't shouldn't lock your sights into one or two positions specifically after you address the quarterback. This team needs town all over the place. Whatever you can get the best player, I would advise you do that. Good question there. We've got another caller on the line here, John. Uh, I think it's another regular one of ours, Jason Von Stein. Jason, how are you? I'm doing really well, guys. Thank you guys for doing the uh, the podcast and letting us uh, uh, talk about all things Bengals. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's your, it's your guys' cool. show, man. It's your it's your guys' show. We're so, just we're just jabbering right. away. Well, if that's the case, then uh, five and nineteen is what I would like to bring up. And what that is is that is Andy D- Dalton's record in the limelight every time he's on, you know, late. And uh, I live in Atlanta, so the only times I really get to see the Bengals games are those five and nineteen that I've been yeah. watching over the years, crying into my pillow. <laughs> so I'm really ecstatic that we've gotten rid of Andy Dalton. I understand that he's a good guy. But uh, I think he was only the coach, or he was only the quarterback, because Carson Palmer quit on us. So I'm pretty excited to see what the new guy uh, is about. And my question uh, is, I'm still looking for Bengals pants. Uh, so anybody's got some Bengals pants, I'm a size mm-hmm. 30. Uh, so like a kicker or a punter, maybe like Jim Breach. If anybody has some Jim Breach britches that I can borrow <laughs> for a night, uh, I would like to talk to you. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, we'll we'll let people know. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, Jason's doing something for charity, I think. So that's why he's asking for maybe some game worn pants and, and Bengals pants. So if you got that, let let us know. We'll be the middleman and get you get you connected with Jason and all that good stuff. But uh, very very good point in terms of the primetime issues with Andy Dalton. Look, he in those primetime games, he wasn't the only one that was failing. Marvin Lewis, his game plans were called into question. Remember Jermaine Gresham and how many. Awful games he had when it was, the playoffs were on the line, all that kind of stuff. You know, guys were dropping the ball. Remember the Chargers playoff game? Gio Bernard fumbles a ball right when he's getting. Yeah, but in. that was mainly a Dalton that that game yeah. specifically. Yeah, but I mean, there there are issues, issues, issues. But I think the fact remains that it, it, part of the reason he Dalton did not play well, and when your most important position does not play well in those big games, that hurts you. And of course. You don't have that guy. You don't have the Aaron Rodgers to kind of pick everyone else up by the haunches and, you know, say, hey, I, I got this. We're going to win despite you guys playing awful. 
That that's such a good point though, because there's a, re- there's a it's a reason why the Bengals don't have a big bandwagon following is because if, for people like Jason who only get to see the Bengals when they're on primetime television, yeah. they stink. So like, how how are you supposed to grow a fan base? How are you supposed to grow a fan base, and how are you supposed to erase a a, nas- a, a league wide a nationwide perception that this team is bad when every time the rest of the nation besides Cincinnati sees them, they're awful. So that's honestly a great point by Jason and why they need to make this move. Yeah, and it's it's why even. It's why even during the Bengals, you know, John from Kentucky called in and referenced the five five straight postseason bursts, but that's why nobody took them seriously during that run because every time they took the big stage, played the better teams, they fell on their faces and, and embarrassed themselves with everybody watching. So right. um, somebody's got it. They got to bring in people who have the clutch gene going forward. John, why don't you pick up another one? Uh, we've got some calls coming in, but why don't you pick another question in the meantime? All right, so we got a text from Andrew Thomas. Maybe not the Andrew Thomas, the tackle from Georgia might be a first-round pick, but he asked, what if Finley puts up Dalton-like numbers? And he didn't really expand upon that, so I think we have to take this in two ways. Dalton-like numbers could be 2015, where he maybe lights the league on fire and potentially could be an MVP candidate in these eight games, or Dalton-like numbers in terms of 2019, where he just falls apart. So let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt and assume he puts up good numbers, right? Puts up no, yeah. good numbers in a system that is predicated around him. What what happens if he does that in these next eight games? We we discussed this a little bit on on our podcast. We didn't get to it a ton, but it's it's a problem. Some would say it's a good problem to have because then it it opens up your draft class potentially next year to say, okay, now we are going to do best player available. We've got a lot of spots to fill. Maybe maybe it's the kid from Ohio State, the edge rusher. Maybe it's you know a slew of offensive linemen, and then we really beef up what we can do with Finley. Look, I, I don't expect, if anything, I expect Finley to do something that looks a lot like Andy Dalton in yes. terms in terms of not only his skill set or whatever, but he's a guy who his ceiling is probably decent to pretty good, and he looks a lot better when there's pieces around him. And because some of those pieces will be coming back, it seems, while he's starting, he may end up looking a lot better than Andy Dalton did these first eight games. And because, hey, maybe he's just in a better mindset. He's not developing some of those bad habits we talked about with Dalton that that he showed this year. But um, I do not expect, you know, this to be a Russell Wilson situation, a Tom Brady situation by any means. If it happens that way, hell yeah, that we'll take it. But I do not expect that of Ryan Finley. I expect that this would be a situation that looks a lot like what happened with Andy Dalton. And if they move forward with Ryan Finley, they would employ a Dalton like plan where, okay, let's get him all the, all the toys around him and support him that way. I still don't think that's the way that this organization needs to to operate unless Finley definitively proves that he is the next big thing in the NFL. Yeah, and to cover this question on all bases, if he completely collapses this year like Dalton has, get ready for Jake Dolagala. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna want to see what he's got. That's for sure. All right, we've got another call on the line. We're we're getting to a lot of stuff here. We're uh, trying to get to as many questions as possible. We've got another call. I believe it's from Aaron. Aaron, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, man. How you guys doing? Doing all right, man. It's it's Friday afternoon, you know. Yeah, it's Friday, man. It's the weekend. <laughs> Don't get to see the Bengals lose this week, so mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> with that being said, man, I was just uh, watching the show at the same time. You kind of, kind of uh, like, stepped into the question I was going to ask. I was going to ask, 
you know, what would Finley have to do to make you believe in him as a quarterback? But we kind of already touched on that. So I just got a couple comments I'll make there. Yeah. Um, comment number one, I just realized that John Bitts over here in Clifton, I was like, man, that would be really cool to get a drink with him sometimes. So in one of these times when the Bengals are sucking it up, we can cry deeply into each other's jerseys or something. Yeah, you guys and, can uh, share a couple of white claws or something. And, uh, and um, comment number two, um, I just, I mean, maybe I can get you guys to take on it. Like, while I understand, um, you know, Andy, you know, in the context of the full interview, people are saying, like, you know, they think he took it pretty well with the benching. I still had a little bit of, uh, like, a bad taste in my mouth as far as how he, like, was addressing it, saying that he, you know, like, acting as if, like, he just can't, couldn't fathom why he was being benched. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you're 0-8, and, I mean, where this is like the third losing season, in a row, and people with more goals accomplished than you have have been benched quicker, you know, and they've taken it with more grace. So, I don't know, that, that, that was just something that sat really wrong with me. I like Andy, he's a good guy and all. I even donated to, like, the, the foundation and all that stuff, yeah. you know. But, I don't know, it was just something about it that sat a little a little wrong with me, man. But, um, with that being said, like I said, you guys kind of touched on my main question already, so... Well. Uh, yeah, sorry, but sorry about that. But you brought up some good points, Aaron, and uh, we'll try and talk John Sharon into get into meeting up with you for a drink, dude. Uh, thanks for calling in. You got quarterbacks on the mind. We'll, 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 all right, you too. We'll talk more about it well, off the air there, um, John. You know, just to kind of continue a little bit of the Finley discussion. I mean, it if he, I think the Bengals would be very tempted if Finley kind of lights the world on fire. They win five, six games, and he looks pretty good in doing so. They may be tempted in doing the Dalton plan again with him in terms of letting him start at least for 2020. He is a Taylor guy uh, and, and surrounding him with talent. But what do you make of Aaron's comments about Dalton and his kind of attitude or public display to the news of his benching? Well, for starters, Aaron, I might be at Murphy's Pub in, in about a couple hours, so if you're there, I'll meet you there. But, but, but yeah, like, anyways, like, we, we talked about on Wednesday, Dalton has been propped up as a franchise quarterback, and not a lot of people agree with that assessment, but that's how the Bengals have treated him. For most of his football career, he's been the, he's been the star. He was, you know, the big man on campus at TCU. He beat J.J. Watt in the Rose Bowl. He was a starting quarterback from the minute he got into the NFL. He got a second contract that was worth over $100 million. There's a certain, you know, persona you build up over time after achieving all these accomplishments, and you're naturally your ego becomes that as well. So in the middle of your ninth season, you're all of a sudden benched because from what you believe to be circumstances that aren't your fault and you're being labeled as the scapegoat, naturally you're going to feel a certain way. Now everyone would want him to be, you know, very courteous and very supportive of Finley from the get-go and not be hurt. But even as a guy like me, who's not the biggest Indy Dalton fan, I can understand where he's coming from. And, and, you know, there was, I think Jeff Hobson wrote on Bengals.com that uh, Finley said Dalton reached out to him and texted him, I have your back. So he, he supported him there. So he had, you know, he had that one rough day of, you know, not being completely 100% on board with the plan and being upset that he couldn't, you know, contact his agent quick enough to maybe formulate a trade in the three hours until the trade deadline. So, yeah, it, it, it's not the greatest thing for him to act that way, but I understand where he's coming from, especially with how the Bengals have propped him up and coddled him and basically have given him no competition up to this point. And all of a sudden, a new head coach comes in and reality kind of hits you really quick. Yeah, I, you know, a lot of me, a big part of me understands where Andy's coming from. I, I, 
public demotion that grabbed national headlines. I mean, that's not fun to deal with. And then you're asked for 10, 20 minutes, a bunch of questions about your demotion. It's like, okay, that's fun. That's not fun for anybody. Um, he feels as if he's earned it. Maybe he feels he didn't have a fair shake this year because of the injuries, the lack of talent, all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, uh, you know, like you mentioned, John, the trade deadline stuff and how, how the Bengals maybe didn't do him right that way. But, uh, you know, I, I said this on our on our weekly episode. I, Dalton was always kind of the, yes, sir, aw shucks. You know, he's kind of the, the that kind of guy on the field. And then this year, he kind of just looked more kind of frustrated. And then now he's got this fire and this anger. And I'm kind of going, well, where is that where you could pick up the rest of your team and, and potentially have other guys play? But I don't know. I, I just I, that that was the, the smaller part of me. But I kind of saw this fire in him and this this anger in him that you kind of sometimes want to see out of a franchise quarterback that we really haven't seen only until he got benched. So I, I don't know. No, like that, that's that's a good way of looking at it. And, and that fires part of his legacy. And that kind of leads into this next question I want to get yeah. to from Patrick Esther, who emailed us. He had just asked, what is Dalton's legacy? And he said he's one yeah. of the franchise top passers. And I'll let you go first on this one. <laughs> uh, his legacy. He's Andy Dalton. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how else really to to word that. He's not Boomer Sice and he's not Ken Anderson. He wasn't as physically gifted as Carson Palmer, but he had, you know, a, a handful of pretty good seasons, two or three really good statistical seasons. I'm looking at 2013 and 2015 specifically, two really good seasons there. He is one of the best quarterbacks to play for this team. They haven't had a bunch of great quarterbacks to play for this team. I would say you could make an argument. He's top three, probably not. He's, he's the fourth best quarterback to ever play for this team. As of right now, that's kind of my take. It's very similar to, I think what the bears have going on is that they don't have a, a storied quarterback front uh, history either, but at least with the Bengals, you do have Anderson and, um, and, and Asias and as you're like your two top dogs there. But I think it all depends on how you take in the context of, of team success and overall ability, because overall ability, you would take easily, you know, Asias and Anderson Palmer and probably even Jeff Blake over Andy yeah. Dalton as more talented quarterbacks. But if you're more sentimental towards team success and good memories, Dalton brought you better memories than Jeff Blake did. And maybe even Carson Palmer for that matter. So it all depends on how you figure his overall impact with the rest of the team and how you look at him individually. Me personally, I think he's still probably the fifth best quarterback, but after that, after five, it goes way down into the basement because yeah, there's only been like five really talented quarterbacks, not counting Greg cook only played here for a short while for this entire franchise. So in terms of being in the right place to, to have a, a good, a good solid legacy it, it was great for him and obviously he was a part of a lot of team success here and has brought a lot of us good memories but it really all depends on how you look at him and what his overall impact was to that team success yeah and I think one of his greatest assets aside from you know a couple of recent seasons but for the most part durability and the fact that the Bengals have finally found at least from t- 2003 up until basically this year have found stability at that position they found production out of that position and, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people wanted him benched earlier than this, but um, I mean, he provided stability for a franchise that was all over the map for years and years and years after the Boomer, the Boomer Esiason era. They were all over the map when it came to quarterbacks and obviously it reflected in their records. So you have to appreciate him for that. 
unfortunately, you know, like I said, it might have been a, a little too long. And that goes back into a question we received earlier about how long do you give Zach Taylor? Mike Brown has publicly said he likes stability. That's why he stuck with Marvin Lewis for so long. That's why he stuck with Carson Palmer and Andy Dalton only really over the past almost 20 years. So mm-hmm. that's something Mike Brown values is the loyalty aspect, the continuity aspect. They've looked and seen that across the way in Pittsburgh and they want to emulate that before we get to another question, John, and I want to, I want to hear one from you. We've only got a couple minutes left. We're already going long, but in case you are just joining us, thank you for joining us live. You can submit your questions a number of different ways, call text, email, uh, Twitter at Bengals OBI, all that good stuff. We'll be here a couple more minutes. We've already gone long, as I mentioned. So get those to us how you can. We're taking a couple of more questions. You can get this show, our Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. You can get it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. You can get it on Megaphone, on CincyJungle.com, and YouTube. On the Cincy Jungle podcast channel, there are a number of different shows aside from ours. There's our show. There is uh, Chalk Talk with... Matt Minnick, who is a Cincy Jungle contributor that is both a video and an audio. It's very, very interesting. This week, Matt went through the 2020 rookie quarterbacks, the top three guys there. So definitely check that one out. And then you've got Orange is the New Black, the podcast from Zim Huday and uh, Ace Boogie. And then we've got a couple of episodes in there from Dr. Hoji Smoji and Daddy O McDuck. Sorry if I spit when I speak that show. So uh, check that one out too. There's our plug. What's the next question, John? <laughs> we got a question from Logan Carver on Twitter. Uh, will the Bengals reach a long-term deal with AJ? And I think we should ask this in terms of percentage confidence because I think we would both say yes, but there, it is kind of topical because there was that report about how this, the two sides are quote-unquote nowhere near a deal and they're still in terms of negotiation, but that's not anything new. This is still October and they have until early March for the deadline. And I think it, I think it's just about what, what is your confidence right now? For, for me personally, I would still say they do. I would still say my confidence is above 70%. There's there's a certain degree of of, of trust on both sides that this is going to get done for how the Bengals basically tripled down on we're not trading AJ and they refused any potential offers that came in and the fact that they probably would have already extended AJ had he not gotten hurt over the summer. I, I, now, unfortunately, it's just going to go a little bit longer and it'll, it'll go into the offseason. But, but if it takes longer to, to do that, that's fine because right now AJ has all of the leverage because if the Bengals don't bring him back, it's going to be an even worse situation than the Whitworth. So, but I don't think AJ is going to completely bankrupt him, but he's going to get what he, what he deserves and what he's earned. So I'm still going to say it's North of 70%. My confidence. Yeah. I was going to say about 80% for me. I, I think it's, I think it's going to happen. I think they're playing a little bit of chess right here, but this isn't a guy even through the losses that's that has either said, I don't know, or seems discontent or or acts like a malcontent uh, through through all of this he has seen thick and thin a lot of each really in his in his time with Cincinnati and he stuck through it he has said he wants to stay in Cincinnati long term he said that again he just doesn't want the franchise tag um, so I think he's gonna stay it may start with a franchise tag that gets parlayed into a long-term deal if, if this kind of continues but I think that he he is an integral plan going forward for what they are going to do at quarterback at 2020, really the rest of this year, 2020 and beyond. They want him there to be that star receiver, to help bridge 
and and cover up maybe some of the issues that come with a young quarterback. And I think he, I think they'll they'll pay him for it. I hope that they learn their lesson in losing a guy like Whitworth and Zeitler, these valuable veterans. But uh, Mike Brown pays his, the skill guys, that's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. he, he pays them, and and this guy wants to stay here. Logan Carver, that is a that's a power name. Logan Carver, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a power name, man. Um, oh boy, shoot, did we do this one? Uh, if you're, gonna do, if, if you're gonna lead it like that, then yeah, we should absolutely. Okay, Tyler Spur or Spare the email. Um, this is right up John Sheeran's wheelhouse. Uh, <laughs> would you want Cincinnati to sell the Bengals and just start an NBA team instead? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I don't want. I don't want to stick an NBA team in, in um, U.S. U.S. Bank Arena. That place is a crap hole, and I don't think they're going to f- be able to fund a, a more more improved arena. There's a reason why the Bearcats team didn't want to play there for a year, and they chose to play in North North Kentu- Northern Kentucky. So no, no, no. They, they they have two really good college basketball teams here. They don't need to be a franchise. I mean there's going to be people that have all kinds of different mindsets with this, but no, no, you don't want them to sell the team. What you want them to do is you want them to do things the right way. You want them to build a winner and be where they, at least where they've been briefly in the past and beyond that. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what you want. You don't want them gone. Uh, I understand the frustrations and I understand that, you know, I, I don't live there. So, you know, maybe other people there have a little bit of a different view than I do, but I get frustrated watching this team as well. And I live thousands of miles away. So, um, you know, I, I still wouldn't want them to sell the team. It's just do things the right way, build a winner. And whether you luck into it or whatever, uh, just just build a winner, do things the right way and shut these people up. No offense, yeah. Tyler. But <laughs> if, if, if people thought it was hard to bring NFL players to Cincinnati, imagine like NBA players like that. It, it's even a bigger disparity. Oh. No, it's a bigger disparity between, you know, Midwestern teams attracting star players that in, in the NBA than there is in the NFL. That's that's even going to be even harder, especially when you're playing again in U.S. Bank Arena. Yeah. So a- any others you want to get to before we get out of here, John? Uh, from Facebook, I believe her name is, where is she? Where is she? Uh, Deborah Shields. Hey, are you related to Ed Sheeran? Serious question. Uh, yes, I am. I'm his, I'm his cousin. As you can tell by my brown hair. So yeah, uh, that uh, is my cousin. Yeah. No. Are you serious? She, she says a serious question. I'm giving you a serious answer. Uh, you're, you're seriously related to Ed Sheeran. He, he gets all his talent from me, obviously. Oh, these, these, these vocal cords don't, aren't, these vocal cords can't be taught. Okay, well, that's uh, that may be just a. I would walk-off. never lie on the internet. That that what might be the walk off for the show today. That might just be the the backdrop, the mic drop, mic drop. Actually, is very appropriate for that. If it wasn't for Ed Sheeran, nobody could pronounce my last name correctly. I've been gotten. I've gotten so many different pronunciations of Sheeran. It's unbelievable. So well, shout out to him. Hey, so here's what we're gonna do. On one of our next episodes, we're gonna have we're gonna we're gonna do a, a a crowdfunding thing for you to do an ancestry.com or or one of those things and and mm-hmm. show where your your DNA links up to Ed Sheeran. There's, there's and we're gonna get Ed Sheeran. On Ed the Sheeran. There's we're, definitely an Ed Sheeran in my family tree. There's definitely one. Okay, it might well, be him. <laughs> we'll get him on the show. How about that? Yeah. Oh my, that's uh, that's awesome. Well, we'll end on that one. Thanks, everybody, for for joining us today. Um, I want to remind folks that uh, you can join our, uh, our our actual weekly show. We usually record Wednesdays, um, so join us Wednesday night as we do that. Uh, we've got 
a special guest joining us as a um, on on next week's show. Pretty interesting. Interested to hear from this gentleman, Jim Quinn. He's an author. Uh, he wrote the book "Don't Be Afraid to Win: How Free Agency Changed the Business of Pro Sports." He primarily focuses on the MLB and NFL, and we thought it would be not only an interesting read from a big picture perspective, but also because of how the Bengals operate or don't operate in free agency, how the future of, of this uh, kind of affects the Bengals. So join us live uh, if you can, or download the show and listen to that interview next week. We went long today. Thanks, John. Thanks everybody for the question. Sorry if we didn't get to yours. We, hey, we tried to get to as many as I can, as we could. There are still a few others we did not. I feel bad about uh, Todd Edwards has given us the same one for the past couple of weeks and we didn't do it, but we'll get to it next time, Todd. I'm sorry. We're just running out of time, dude. Uh, thanks, John. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Maybe go meet up with Aaron at, uh, at what'd you say? Murphy? I already, already said, I said, man, Murphy's. If you All know, right. you know, Aaron, the invitation's there. Uh, go, go get it. All right. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Take it easy. The Bengals aren't losing this weekend, so you can be happy about that. See you later. Uh-huh.